We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date. Detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional term supply. Along the wall and out of the zone. Right back in, come the Amherst, on the earth, they score! It came out in front of the net, Murray was there, he chips it up a right corner. Don Stevens, longtime Amherst play-by-play man, game winner. Rochester with a sweep of Belleville, now on to round two against Utica. It'll be a best of five. As we welcome you back, hour number two of our Kentucky Derby show, Brian Colziel here inside 34 Rush. Batavia Downs Gaming and Hotel. Uh, Ryan Hasenauer, the Director of Marketing, going to join us at 3.30. We're going to go through every horse in the field. So if you want to uh, get your pen and pencil ready and uh, thinking about making a wager today on the Derby, you can uh, tune in at 3.30. But we've got more good insight right now. Paul Hamilton joining me. Paul missed a week a, a week of being away from me with no Sabre games. So he said, Brian, I demand to be on this show because I miss talking to you. So I said, okay, how about 305? Hi, Paul. Well, this, this, this show is always good because you can always make me money on this show. So uh, if I keep listening, I can find <laughs> out uh, how to uh, spend my money well this afternoon. Well, Paul, because we brought you on to talk hockey, I'll give you one interesting item of note. The number six horse is named Messier, and I'm sure you can guess of who he was named after. <laughs> yes, he is I the rumors of that. I wasn't sure that was yep. true, but uh... Messier was named for Mark Messier, and the horse and the trainer and the jockey John Velasquez trying to become the third ever Canadian bred horse to win the Kentucky Derby. The two others, for all of you uh, history horse racing buffs. Northern Dancer in 1964, and Sonny's Hello in 1983, the other Canadian-bred horses. So Messier trying to be the third horse from Canada to win the Derby. So maybe that's your bet, Paul, Messier. Hmm. Yeah, that, that might be it. As I said, I'm going to have to keep listening to, to find out what I'm going to do here. That's right. Well, that's coming up right after your segment. But um, let's talk about a couple. we got a couple of things to get to. But let's start with the Amherst. Uh, we just heard the highlight there, the game-winning goal last night in overtime. Paul, how surprised were you that the Amherst were able to get that two-game sweep and move and move on to the next round? Oh, I'm not surprised. It was the fourth-place team against the fifth-place team. That goal that you just heard by Murray was his first goal in 23 games. He had been in a bad slump, and Rustalainen was the guy who brought the puck in 
and he has gotten a point on five consecutive goals now, starting with the overtime winner in Rochester, which he scored. And then he was in on all four goals with two goals and two assists in the game last night. So he is now the leading scorer in the Calder Cup playoffs. And there was a rumor out there that he basically had already decided to leave the Sabre organization at the end of the year and play in Europe, apparently. Um, Somebody had told me on Twitter he has denied that, but the fact that they gave his number to Owen Power, I think, might tell you (laughs) where the Sabres are at with that. But, uh, you know, he certainly is is on fire and got on fire during the regular season. He got points in 12 out of 13 games starting at the end of February where he picked up 21 points in those 13 games, and then he had 29 points in 21 games. So he got hot as the season went on for the Amherst. But here in Buffalo, anytime he's gotten an opportunity, for the most part, it just hasn't gone well. You know, in the NHL, you know, it hasn't been long opportunities, but, uh, you know, he's gotten some opportunities as it's gone on. It, it just, you know, really hasn't gone well for him. Yeah. And, Paul, I thought with the injury to Ukapeka Lukanen, I thought maybe that was going to do the Amherst in, but uh, I know that uh, they're able to get it done in, in really weren't necessarily high-scoring affairs that first game, did what, down 3 nothing, and then come back to win 4-3? So that was that was a, a pretty uh, nice turn of events for them. Well, Aaron Dell has done a pretty nice job in the American Hockey League uh, talking to Seth Appert after game one on Wednesday. He There were a lot of people, media from Buffalo there, and he said, for you guys in the media in Buffalo, I know maybe you have your thoughts on how he played in the NHL, but he goes, I'm here to tell you uh, he has been great here for us in the American Hockey League and performed well and done well in big games. And he did in that game. Early on, uh, when when Belleville scored, they had wide open chances. The Amherst got really sloppy on defense, and all three goals were just wide open. But... You know, you know how I feel about that, too. Sometimes I just want your goaltender to bail you out there and make a right. huge save. They aren't easy saves. And after that, though, Dell just slammed the door, including in overtime. In overtime, Belleville had four glorious scoring opportunities, which Dell stopped three of them. He had stopped one, and he had to scramble to get there, and then they got the rebound, and one of his defensemen came over and stopped the second one. But he made three phenomenal saves in the overtime, so Rochester had the opportunity to win the game. And uh, he had over 35 saves in, in uh, last night's game also. So, uh, you know, Lukanen is out, and I think he probably would get back in the net when he's ready, which could be this series. Well, that's I mean, a, that was going to be my next question. Do we know a timeline or no? Yeah, no, it's def- it definitely could be this series. They said one to two weeks, so they knew he was out for the first series. But, uh, you know, Rochester's home game is until a week from tomorrow. So uh, it's a 5 o'clock game if you wanted to make a family out of, out of it but <laughs> on a Sunday. Yep. But, um, yeah, it's uh, so, you know, he, that'll give him the opportunity to maybe. And Samuelson hasn't been back for either game either, so that maybe gives him a chance to participate in some of these games, and just that would just make the Amherst defense even stronger. Yeah, you mentioned the the Rochester home game. So game one and two are in Utica on Tuesday and Saturday. So a big gap in between game one and two, and then Sunday in Rochester for what would be game three here in this 
best of five series. We're talking with Paul Hamilton here, Amherst Sabres NHL playoffs. Brian Colziel at Batavia Downs for the Kentucky Derby Show here with you till 5 p.m. on WGR. Well, Paul, you mentioned Samuelson's injury. We mentioned Lukanen's injury, but of course, a couple of Sabre players are still there helping them out. Peyton Krebs and Casey Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald, Paul, went down right before the last Sabre uh, regular season game. Uh, what did you see from those two players so far in this uh, opening round? I just wanted to add, too, if there is a fourth game, that would be in Rochester a week from Tuesday if they do okay. make it to the, the 17th. game. Okay. Yes. So, um, okay. yeah, both uh, Krebs and Fitzgerald have three points, and Fitzgerald, I believe, in the last regular season game he played, the Amherst had to win. I think he had three assists in that game, too. So that means in his last three games he's had six points. He's not normally a point producer. But when you come from the NHL and play a bunch of games in the NHL like he did, you know, when you come back, you're going to be better and you're going to be different. And he was already good in the American Hockey League, but... You know, having the opportunity to play as many games, I think I'm looking now, it was 36 games in the National Hockey League where he had no goals and six assists. That's just going to make him a better defenseman as he comes down to play for the Rochester Americans. And he was a big part of that comeback. Uh, he had a goal and an assist in that third-period comeback on Wednesday where the Amherst entered the third period down 3 nothing, And uh, he had an assist on the first goal. And then Krebs set him up for the second goal. And made a kind of a nice play in front of the net. He, he gave the goaltender a nice little fake before he shot and gave himself some net to shoot at. It was kind of a goal scorer's goal. I was rather surprised and impressed uh, by that. So, um, you know, it's so it's this is a good opportunity for him. It's a good opportunity for Krebs, who I thought was the best player on the ice on Wednesday he had a couple assists in that game and another one in the game so he has three assists in two games but Belleville you know the one thing about that team and Ottawa's building their organization like this and I know there's some fans who want the Sabres to basically turn their team into some thug team that you know is just going to go out and hit people and you know I, I get a lot of that there are still some fans who are living in the uh, Philadelphia Flyers era. But, uh, you know, that's what Belleville is, and that's what Ottawa is trying to turn their organization into. And they, quite honestly, have a couple of kind of embarrassing players on their team, I mean, who don't belong in the AHL. Mm -hmm. there, there was one guy, Sabrin, who sat there and basically chased Quinn around the ice all game. To me, he was completely worthless for that team. He's not a very good hockey player. He's big. He's probably 250 pounds. And he thought that he would just, every time there was a whistle, go yap at Quinn in his ear. Quinn didn't look like he could have cared less. I mean, uh, and just, you know, went out of his way to try hit anybody he could. And, you know, they have a lot of guys who are, but the rest of the guys are probably better hockey players. Sabrin just, I don't even know if I'd have him on an East Coast League team. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it was weird because Belleville thought, all right, we, we want to make sure when you get in your locker room after the game, there are about 50 ice bags there, and they were more interested in how many ice bags the Amherst were going to have to use after the game than scoring goals. And the Amherst, like Krebs and those guys, were just like, yeah, okay, you do your thing and we'll do ours. Well, let's see who wins type of a thing. And uh, the Amherst, you know, finally in the third period were able to get some goals. They weren't playing awful. They just ran into a hot goaltender and – you know, then we're just all over Belleville in the third period because, you know, Belleville had a different game plan than Rochester did, and 
Belleville's game plan was more, we're going to try to hurt the opponent instead of trying to score goals on the opponent. Paul Hamilton joining us here, our Kentucky Derby show at Batavia Downs. Brian Colziel here till 5 p.m. Uh, we'll have Ryan has an hour back from Batavia Downs at 3.30. He was going to go through all the horses uh, for the 148th running. But we're with Paul Hamilton here talking about the Amherst playoffs. Uh, all right, Paul, so last thing before we shift to the NHL playoffs. I know you valued very much that the Amherst made it. You thought the experience would be worth it for the prospects, for the organization, just to get that playoff uh, pressure, I guess, back. You were in the building for the home game. So did it feel like what you thought it should feel like? Like, did you feel that intensity and, like, the value that I know that you are putting in these games? Um, obviously, I'm sure that you would say that getting another full round here coming up is going to be valuable, too. Absolutely. And a guy like Krebs, who we talked about, he's into it. You know, it's not just like, well, you know what, he, I'm going to go down and kind of put my time in, but I don't know why I have to be here. He's happy to be there, and he's really into this. And it was kind of, you know, Brian, we talk about the culture and all that kind of thing, and you witnessed it when Quinn made his played his first game with Buffalo, and he did his rookie lap, and Samuelson came down from Rochester and was wearing a Quinn jersey, you know, standing <laughs> yep. on the glass, banging on the glass for his teammate in Rochester. And it was the same thing in game one. Here are the Amherst playing, and who's there? Dylan Cousins, Bryson, Subban. They're all sitting there cheering on their teammates. And down in the locker room area after the game, they were just as excited and happy for their teammates as the other guys were. And that's just kind of the way these guys roll. And um, Krebs definitely is, is totally into this. Fitzgerald is totally into this. Paterka, the game I saw, had a great game. Uh, you know, he, he really, you know, Quinn wasn't quite as good. Uh, he's had his problems down the stretch, and I think it's a good learning experience for him. Um, but uh, for, for the most part, it's been a tough tough sledding for him. But uh, Paterka really seemed to thrive on, on the pressure of it, and that's what I liked about it. And as I said, they weren't real concerned that Belleville was trying to, you know, drill them into the boards and put them, try to run them out of the back of the rink. They really didn't even care. It was like, yeah, whatever. And yeah. just kept playing hockey type of a thing and, and uh, you know, wound up winning the hockey game. But, yes, they are they are absolutely into it and definitely into it. And I'm sure looking forward to maybe getting guys like Samuelson and Lukanen back in the lineup too. Yeah, so good to see the Amherst advance. Again, uh, games one and two are in Utica, Tuesday the 10th, Saturday the 14th, and then games three and four if it gets that far into Rochester. The Sunday game, of course, will happen. That's on Sunday, May 15th, and then if it goes to the fourth game, it'll be on Tuesday, the, let's see, 16th, yeah, the 17th of, uh, of May. Okay. Yeah, and then if people want to go down and see that Sunday game, it, it is a 5 o'clock game, so it's a little bit earlier if people want to go check it out. Yeah, that way, even if you're right, if, if you've got kids that want to go, the game will be done by 7.30, 7.45. You're not, it's not going to be a late night, I guess, is what you're saying, which right. is a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, Paul, how about uh, the end-season press conference for Kevin Adams and Don Granado? That was held earlier in the week. Uh, just for maybe for those that didn't get a chance to hear some of your thoughts on that, uh, what did you take away most of what the Sabres coach and GM had to say? Just what you'd expect. I mean, nothing. there was nothing out of the ordinary. You know, they're happy with what they've seen so far, but they're not satisfied, and they know there's more to go. 
Adam said again, something he said to you and me about, um, you know, making those picks. They've got four first-round picks and four second-round picks in the next two years, and he's inclined to probably make those picks and not use those as, as trade capital. He didn't say he, he wouldn't, definitely wouldn't do it, but I think it would have to be a, a, a trade that would blow them away, and he reiterated that during this. And, um, but still reiterated, you know, he's liked what he's seen so far. There's still a long ways to go, though. They're not satisfi- satisfied by any means, but he really liked the experience that Power got in the eight games to be there and is looking forward to, you know, getting him in for a full season, what he could do. Um, he did talk a little bit about Ryan Johnson, that it doesn't look like he's going to sign. It looks like he's going to go back for his senior season, but apparently that is not totally written in stone yet. Now, this is my thought process of it. What I take away from that, and what I wonder from that, is did Ryan Johnson look at the Sabres depth chart, wonder maybe where is there room for me, and said to Kevin Adams that maybe he would be better off elsewhere. And the reason maybe he hasn't decided totally and has kept the door open that if Kevin Adams can move him to another team, then he's willing to sign. You know, he might be willing to sign yeah. then and, and do that. So, But that's just my thought process as I thought through it because it's like, well, either you want to play or you don't. I, if you've made your decision, then why haven't you made your decision? Why is the door still kind of open and that's kind of what I came up with that maybe Kevin Adams will look to move him and then wherever he moves him to that that'll make a trade a lot easier if the team you're trading him to would know that he'd be willing to sign but again that is just my thought process Paul uh, you mentioned making a move I know Sabre fans are thinking okay what can Kevin Adams do via the trade market I know we've mentioned throughout the course of the season okay who would be maybe players that we could possibly see being moved and is that Middlestat? is that Olofsson they both uh, had some injuries to deal with throughout the course of the season uh, both seem to finish pretty strong especially uh, Olofsson got his goal scoring touchback Paul um, is there a name who would be under contract not the not the UFAs but is there a name that you think maybe wouldn't be as surprising uh, if they ended up getting moved by Kevin Adams via the trade market well, in Olison's case, it's how nervous is he is is he about Olison going to arbitration, which could happen. And arbitration might net him. I don't think he would get him up to six million. It might get him around five and a half, two six somewhere in there. And uh, this past season, he was making three point zero five. So, you know, how how much is he afraid of that? I don't. You know, I don't think they're in a salary cap bind unless he thinks well we don't want him to get up in the six and a half million dollar range or something like that mm-hmm. so that that would be what they might be thinking with him but where where they have to be looking obviously is a goaltender and uh with with that goaltender i i with the two college kids going back into college i think you have to be looking at maybe giving a goaltender a two possibly three-year deal and the money, I don't think matters because you got to get to the salary cap floor anyway. So you know, whatever kind of money, I mean, last year to get to the salary cap floor, they took on Johnny Boychuk's contract. You know, he wasn't going to play. I mean, it was just a contract that they took off the Islanders' hands, 
and yeah. it was just this year and that's it. It, it's, it doesn't factor into next year. So if you wanted to pay, overpay a goaltender for two years, I'm fine with that, you know, and somebody that can be with Lukanen. I just don't think Craig Anderson is the answer anymore, you know, with, with not having the guys, uh, you know, from college as backups in Rochester. Um, I, I think it, it, it's tough, and I just don't think Craig Anderson's your guy because if Lukanen doesn't come through and your other guy has to play over 40, 50 games, I just don't think Craig Anderson's up to that. By the way, Ovechkin just scored to make it 4-1 Capitals half midway through the third period. Yeah, so the Panthers may go down two games to one. Uh, we know that uh, the Blues are down the, and the Lightning are down, Paul. Uh, I think the Toronto-Tampa series may be drawing a lot of intrigue uh, from Sabre fans, but those the three games so far have not been, I guess I would say, uh, tight. I, I wouldn't label them as three blowouts, but kind of one-sided affairs. Uh, what have you, from what you've gotten to see from the Leafs and the Lightning, what have jumped out to you so far? For me, mostly it was the first game that they played. Uh, I saw Cooper today saying, well, you know, we're averaging 3.5 goals against Campbell in the last two games. He goes, I'll take that. Yeah. He goes, if we keep doing that, we'll, we'll be fine. So, uh, you know, I think I think that's the way they're looking at it, and I don't think anybody in Toronto is uh, chalking this up as a win yet. Uh, Toronto – in how many years has lost three games to one leads mm-hmm. and not just one last series. year against Montreal? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and they've done it against Boston, and uh, you know, so you know that this is the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions who still have a home game, so they could leave home two-two. You know, which is if both teams win their home games, that's what it would be is two-two. So, you know, it's it's an important game for them to win. Definitely a game four. I think they. Well, that's the magic number for Toronto, though. Toronto wins it. They're up three games to one, and they've blown that twice. So, um, you know, Until but they still, close it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I think uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a key. And, and Vasilevsky's great after a loss. I saw the numbers after the game one loss. I, I don't remember, but they're absolutely ridiculous how he is in the playoffs after he loses. So, um, you know, it's... It's probably, uh, you know, I would say a pretty good chance. Tampa has a pretty good chance to maybe take game four. Yeah. A lot of hockey today. As you mentioned, Caps are up 4-1 to one in the third with Florida. Colorado and Nashville are at 4-30. Rangers and Penguins are at 7. And then Calgary and Dallas at 9-30. Paul, the Flames start. It's like first to two, I think, in those games, right? There's been no goals at all. <laughs> it's a snooze fest in those. If you like defense, I guess you like it. That's the way they play. That's the way yep. Sutter teaches, and he's always <laughs> taught that way. So uh, that's what he's getting. That's right. Well, Paul, enjoy the uh, the rest of the uh, day of hockey, and uh, appreciate you coming on to talk about the Amherst. And I know you're excited. You get to cover some more games with the Amherst, having some home games coming up. Looking forward to it, and enjoy the race today. I will. Thanks, Paul. Yep. All right, Paul Hamilton here on our Kentucky Derby show. We're at Batavia Downs Gaming and Hotel. Uh, yes, Washington up 4-1 to one with now eight minutes to go in the third on Florida. Uh, we'll get a full update coming up from Josh uh, on what's going on in the rest of the day here in just a little bit. Okay, when we come back here, we're inside 34 Rush. Ryan Hasenauer is going to rejoin us. We're going to go through all 20 horses. Get your pens ready, ready to take some notes. If you see a name here, like, hmm, I wouldn't mind maybe mind throwing a little wager on this one. Well, Ryan's going to give you a little... 
a little. He's going to give you a lot of info about every horse here coming up. So be ready as we go through horse by horse. Coming up next here on our Kentucky Derby Show, I'm Brian Colziel. Thanks for being with us. More coming up from Batavia Downs right after this on WGR. Welcome back to Batavia Downs Gaming and Hotel. Brian Colzio with you here inside 34 Rush. Thanks to Paul Hamilton and before that, Dave Buchanan for joining us. Bandits home tonight. Dave Buchanan will be on the call on the bet 1520 along with John Gertler. And uh, Paul Hamilton, last segment on the Amherst and the Sabres and the Stanley Cup playoffs. Lots going on on a busy sports day. And now we bring back Ryan Hasenauer from Batavia Downs Gaming, the director of marketing. Yes, things are picking up here, Brian. Yes, it's gotten a lot busier since you joined me here to start the show at 2. Indeed. We also have with us Bridget, our, um, our uh, rep to the stars here from uh, Odyssey, coming to visit and uh, see what's going on here. Inside of the building right now, Brian, no less than three samplings going on with our friends from Deep Eddie Vodka. I can see them right here in the Labatt Blue Zone at 34 Rush. Down in the Park Place room, we've got our friends from uh, Jenny Kolsch. The White Claw folks will be joining us later, as well as Maker's Mark. And those of you that uh, paid to get into the big uh, event upstairs, there is a Woodford Reserve sampling going on up there as well. So uh, nonstop fun in action here. Everyone's enjoying themselves with a little bit of uh, liquid uh, lubrication here, and it's just going to be a great night. I agree. And I wanted to thank you on the air for the, uh, the Kentucky Derby glass. This will add to my collection. Yes. And this year it does have the, uh, the mint and the kind of powder blue look to it. So yeah, a little I, I bit like of purple that. there. Yeah. A little purple. Yeah, a little purple yeah. and mint green there. Absolutely. So I'll, I'll throw this on a little later to watch the to watch the race. There you go. This will look good. <laughs> All right. I also appreciate that uh, you brought over a, uh, an athletic cut medium for me <laughs> when really I <clears throat> should probably be in an XL, Ryan. But well, thank you for that. Nice gesture and COVID compliment. Did a number on all of us, Brian. And uh, I'm like, I'm not even a schmear. That was anymore. right. You you <laughs> you uh, you nicely placed my uh, order of the b- delicious chicken fingers here. Yes. Indeed. Not realizing that you're supposed to keep me in this medium T-shirt. <laughs> so I don't know how that. That's kind of a conflict. But nevertheless, we'll move on. Okay, we're gonna go through all 20 horses here. So uh, everybody ready here? Get your notes, get your pens, and uh, recording devices. Ryan's gonna give you insight of the field for the 148th running of the Kentucky Derby. Let's start with the first horse, horse number one, Mo Doggedal. Mo Doggedal was uh, trainer Todd Pletcher, Irad Ortiz Jr., one of the best jockeys out there right now. Uh, of course, this uh, Colt just, he drew the rail, which is very, very tough. Really tough spot, of course, on that rail. You're going to have to either get out quick so you don't get pinched, or you're going to have to hang back, and you're going to have to deal with that traffic, so uh, we'll see what happens. Been a pretty consistent horse. He's based out of New York, so if you want a local connection there, he's uh, he's a New York guy. Uh, raced in the Wood Memorial, finished third behind the number 15 white Abario and uh, Simplification, who was also in this race in the 13th spot. Um, he's going to be a closer. Closers haven't been faring too well so far here today. A lot of stalkers, the ones that are kind of leading towards the front, but not necessarily in front. They're the ones that kind of been uh, coming coming through down the stretch. So right. we'll see what happens with the one. All right, horse two. Happy Jack, Happy Jack, thirty to one at least at the moment. Uh, yes. By the way, Mo Doggle was ten to one. Happy Jack, thirty to one. Thirty to one, and, and a personal connection for you. Perhaps you'll have to put some money. I know on my on son's Happy name Jack is Jack, there. although I don't like the odds. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> he has not won a race besides winning his maiden race. Finished third in the Santa Anita Derby in his last start, and uh, again, kind of a, a long shot here. He's got uh, Rafael Benjero 
And he's got Doug O'Neill. You know, Doug O'Neill, uh, of course, has won the Derby uh, as well before, so he's got a little bit of history. But, yeah, Happy Jack's going to be a little bit tough for him today. One of the favorites, the three-horse epicenter at 7-2. to two. Right. Steve Asmussen is the trainer who has never won a Derby, and that's a big knock on him. Now, a lot of people were saying epicenter should have been the favorite, Brian, but ended up being the number 10, Zandon, that was actually the morning line favorite when the post positions came out. Number three is a good spot for this horse, though. He's a pace setter, so he's probably going to try to get out fast anyway. And, uh, you know, again, anything one, two, three, four, you're going to maybe get pinched on that rail. So he's the type of horse that's going to want to try to get out the front. Can he go wire to wire? We'll have to see. He's a 7-2, Joel Rosario on the back, and uh, capped off a run of three wins and four starts at the fairgrounds down there in Louisiana. And he won, of course, uh, the uh, Louisiana Derby there with a very, very good 102 Briar speed figure. That is incredibly fast. So uh, a good uh, good horse. Definitely got to include him in almost everything you bet today if you're doing exotics. All right. Horse four, one of the long shots at 30 to 1. Summer is tomorrow. Summer is tomorrow. Coming off um, seven career starts. have all been in Dubai. As you may have heard in years past, it does not usually fare well for these foreign invaders coming to Kentucky. They don't do too well. He did uh, come off uh, a second-place finish behind Crown Pride, uh, the number seven horse, who, again, is also based uh, in a, in a, outside of the United States. Uh, he'll be a pace setter, too, so look for the three and the four. Probably to go right to the front, Brian. Horse five at 20-1, to one, Smile Happy. Ken McPeak is the trainer there with Corey Leary on the back 20-1. to one. He comes off back-to-back runner-up efforts in grade two Risen Star, and it was behind Epicenter, the three-horse there, and the Bluegrass Stakes behind Zandon, which is the overall favorite. He had a 94 uh, buyer speed figure in there, and if he's the type of horse that can maybe sit back and, and maybe close stock at some point, you know, he could, he could do well, but that 94 speed figure, they're just kind of faster horses in the field. The six-horse for a lot of uh, New York Ranger fans, Edmonton Oilers fans, they're going to be all on this one. It's yes. Messier at 8-1. to one. As we mentioned before, of course, this yeah. used to be a Bob Baffert horse. Now it's a Tim Yakteen horse. John Velasquez, the absolute legend on the back there. 8-1. to one. I will be using Messier as a Rangers fan. Yes. Uh, I will have to include him. <laughs> a 103 buyer speed figure when he won the Santa Anita Stakes. Uh, he had a 102 when he finished second behind Taiba in the grade one San Anita Derby uh, after taking the lead in the stretch. Uh, Messier previously was trained, like I said, by Bob Baffert, and he is named after Mark Messier. He's trying to become the third Canadian-bred horse to win the Kentucky Derby. The last time that happened was back in 1983. It was all two years old back then. Uh, he's a press-the-pace type of horse, so he might be very near to the front, maybe not in front, but certainly pushing those horses at the front. Sonny's Hallow did it in 83, and Northern Dancer, 1964, for all of our Canadian listeners. Yes. That was, uh, <laughs> those were the other two Canadian-bred horses to win the Derby. All right, the seven-horse... Crown Pride, 20 to 1. Now, this is an interesting horse, Brian. This horse is uh, going to be jockeyed by Christophe Lemaire, who's a Frenchman. And this is a Japanese-based horse coming off the win in the UAE Derby over there in Dubai on March 28th, where he got his Derby points mm-hmm. to get into this race. He'll be the third Derby runner from Japan since 2016, when Master Fencer finished sixth. Now, here's the thing, though. This horse has been training very well. I almost dare to say he's also one of the wise guy horses. So I know that Nick the Railbird, who was on with uh, Jeremy on Friday morning, he actually really likes the seven. I will be including the seven in all of my races today as well. Okay. Number eight at 20 to 1, Charge It. Charge It is a gray horse. For those of you, like my wife, that love the Beth of Gray horses, Todd Pletcher's the trainer with Luis Saez on the back. He's lightly raced, just three career starts, but he did finish second in the Florida Derby behind White Abario. And he broke his maiden at Gulfstream uh, a couple, um, two starts back. He's a gray, like I said, and he'll be a pace setter, so he'll be probably near the front. All right, we go to number nine. Uh, one of the long shots, Tis 
the bomb. Tis the bomb. I just saw a guy place a pray uh, $100 win bet on Tis the bomb just now, by wow. the way. Helping people here inside 34 Rush on our SSTs, making sure they can make it. And not bets. to give it away, but right. you did, before we went on air today, said, I got like a long shot feeling. I did. In, you said in me today. <laughs> I just, I have a feeling like we're not, it's not going to be chalk. It's not going to be business as usual with one of these favorites. I'm, I'm definitely looking at uh, maybe not the nine, quite frankly. Correct. But, but it is my favorite number. But, uh, you know, it just, it just seems like there's going to be possibly, um, you know, something, something cool happening here with maybe a long shot. And, of course, when that happens, Brian, the payouts are just gigantic. That's right. Okay, now the favorite, the 10-horse Zandon. So, uh, you know, we've really got uh, – oh, we didn't really talk about Tis the Bomb real quick, but uh, he was well beaten uh, last time out, 30-1. to 1. I wouldn't – like I said, I'm not too worried about him. Zandon, uh, trainers Chad Brown with Flavin Pratt on the back. He won the Bluegrass Stakes in his last uh, time out, 98 buyer speed figure. He ran down uh, – excuse me, he ran third behind Epicenter in the Risen Star, which is a grade two race that leads up to those races. And he's going to be a stalker as well. A lot of people were surprised that this guy was the morning line favorite. Uh, when, in fact, uh, they thought it might should have been the uh, epicenter. But this is a horse that you got to include, I think, in your bets as well. I'll be including him probably second choice. I don't know if I'm going to have him to win, but certainly in second or third. Sometimes that's how you make the money, Brian, is you, you bet against the favorites. Yeah. Yeah, you said that there's money to be made if the long shots come in. But Zandon at 3-1 to one. doesn't pay a ton. But the Derby, though, as you said, though, more often than not has the favorites come in than maybe the other Triple Crown races, right? Yeah, it seems yeah. like it's very form-fitting. I think out of the last eight years, the favorites won like seven of eight or whatever it was. Yeah. All right, we go to the 11 horse, Pioneer of Medina at 30-1. to 1. Right, so Pioneer of Medina, uh, Todd Pletcher, of course, Joe Bravo won the back, finished fourth in the Risen Star and third in the, in the uh, Louisiana Derby. His overall form and his racing style indicates he's probably going to be forwardly placed. He's probably going to try to press the pace but I don't think he can go wire to wire, so I'm not going to be using him probably too much. Horse 12 is Taiba, 12 to 1. Right. Now, this is a lightly raced colt. Uh, he's got two wins in as many starts, so he's only raced two times his entire life. Uh, and, Jeez. of course, one of them is his win over Messier and Happy Jack in the Santa Anita Derby. Got that 102 by her speed figure. They got a 103 when he broke his maiden, uh, which is the race before that. And, again, he's going to probably press the pace or be right near the front, so probably look to him to be around the uh, around the front when they come around that first turn. Lucky or unlucky 13. Simplification 20 to 1. 20 to 1. Antonio Sano and Jose Ortiz, which is a great jockey on the back. He was third behind White Abardo and Charge It in the Florida Derby. He earned a 96 by your speed figure for that race. Again, he's probably going to stalk, but I don't know if he's got the pedigree to go all the way. 14 horse is at 30 to 1. Again, one of the long shots. Barber Road. John Ortiz is the trainer, and Raylu uh, Gutierrez is the jockey. Little local connection, Raylu Gut- Gutierrez is from Rochester, New York. So if you're looking for a local connection there, there you the go. jockey on the 14. All the Rochesterians, yes. put your money on whole, on horse 14. All the 30 to 1. 30 to 1. Maybe use him Be in careful. third Don't. or fourth place yeah. for tries and supers. <laughs> maybe not on top. But uh, very great local connection there. Uh, second place behind Cyberknife in the grade 1 Arkansas Derby, where that's where he got his points to qualify for this. And, uh, yeah, he'll probably stalk the lead and, uh, and probably more of a closer stalker than a, than a real true stalker. We're going through the entire Kentucky Derby field along with Ryan Hasenauer. I'm Brian Colziel, our Kentucky Derby show here at Batavia Downs. We're up to horse 15, 10 to 1, is White Abario. Now, White Abario is definitely a horse I'm going to use in all of my bets here today. Nick the Railbird, as well as uh, our good friend uh, here, who is going to be coming on with you a little bit later, Don. He's, he's going to give you his picks. He likes the 15 as well. Uh, Tyler Gaffleone's on the back. Tyler Gaffleone has won the last six straight 
jockey titles at Churchill Downs. This guy knows Churchill Downs, and he's on the back of this horse. 10 to 1, love those odds. To be honest, he's probably going to get bet down to 7 or 8 to 1 by the time the race goes off. He'll be mid-pack, and then he'll try to move. So not a true stalker, maybe like a, a farther back stalker, but not a true closer towards the way back. Uh, but definitely include number 15, White Abario, in your bets. Horse 16 is Cyberknife and 20 to 1. Now, he ran the best race of his career in his last start when he won the Arkansas Derby, and he got a 92 buyer speed figure. He followed that up with some good workouts, and he's going to probably press the pace, probably be a stalker there towards the front there. Uh, Red Cox is the trainer, and Florent Giroux is the jockey. Uh, Cyberknife, I don't know if we're going to be using him uh, in first or second, but maybe third or fourth in some of my bets. Horse 17, Classic Causeway, another long shot, 30 to 1. Right, Brian Lynch is the uh, trainer there with Julian Leparu is the jockey, 30 to 1. His last place in the Florida Derby, which was really, really tough. He actually led that race and then just kind of fell off. Uh, he led wire to wire and back to back wins in Tampa Bay, including the Tampa Bay Derby, which is a grade two race that leads up to that race, which is where he got some of his points. He's probably going to try to go to the front and go wire to wire as well. 18 horse is Tawny Port, another long shot, 30 to 1. Yes, Brad Cox is the trainer. Ricardo Santana Jr. is the jockey. Uh, he came off the pace to win the grade three Lexington Stakes at uh, Keeneland. Uh, and then two weeks after that, uh, he was rallying for second when he uh, or came in second at the Jeff Ruby Stakes at Turfway Park. Again, not sure if he's got the pedigree to go the distance here. 19 horse, Zozos at 20 to 1. Yes, Brad Cox again. So back-to-back -back Brad Cox horses there. He finished second behind Epicenter after leading the grade 2 Louisiana Derby, so just couldn't finish it out. Um, he won the Oakland Allowance race by 10 and a quarter lengths on February 11th, so he's been doing okay, but again, I think it's just a little bit of a tough uh, go for him from the far outside. Not sure if he's going to get all the way to the front. This is a horse that likes to press the pace, so I'm not sure if he can get all the way from the 19 hole to the front on that first turn. And the 20 horse, Ethereal Road, is a scratch, so going in is what was horse 21, Rich Strike. Yeah, so Rich Strike is uh, trained by, uh, looks like Richard Dawson, or that's his, uh, sorry, that's his owner. The old family feud host, Richard Dawson? Possibly, right? I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, so his, uh, his trainer is Eric Reed with Sonny Leone on the back, 30 to 1 odds. Uh, you know, this horse came in third and fourth in his last couple of starts. I don't think he's going to be much of a, uh, you know, going to be another also ran. I don't think he's going to factor much. So. Okay, great breakdown of all 20 horses, Ryan. Good times. Where is the spot to be in the stall like if you said if you owned a horse right what stall number do you want to be in like what's the prime spot here at churchill downs i would want to be 8 9 10 11 12 i want okay. to be right in the middle and then that way i kind of have my pick when you break and all the horses come out the first thing that's going to happen is the horses that want to press the pace are going to go right to the front you can decide at that time to see how exactly how fast you want to go to get in behind them to stalk the lead if I was trying to get a horse to race in the Kentucky Derby, I'd want him to be a stalker closer. Uh, I wouldn't want him trying to lead and uh, win the whole thing wire to wire. I'd want him to kind of hang out. So in my mind, uh, what I'm thinking is is to have this horse uh, probably do that. Just kind of like let the horse go up front for my 8-9 through 10-11 you know, spot. Just fall in behind and then just see how fast everyone's going and then make my move on that final turn. So the, the favorite, Zandon, in, in the 10 spot is actually right where you'd want to be. Yeah, I think he's he's got a great he's got a great pull there. So we'll see uh, you know if it's something that happens. I've been watching the weather. It looks like it's kind of overcast there, but it doesn't look like it's raining just yet. So I think uh, things are looking good over at Churchill for weather wise anyway. Excellent. Okay, Ryan, thank you so much for that breakdown. Uh, we're going to bring you back in about a half hour. We'll get your official picks, and I know also Don Hoover, the general manager of Live Racing, is going to join us at four thirty. He's going to give it give us his picks as well. So we got some pick segments coming up in hour three. Sounds good. Can't wait. Okay, thanks, Ryan.
Ryan has an hour from Batavia Downs Gaming. We'll take a timeout here. Brian Colsey with you till 5. Kentucky Derby coverage continuing on WGR. Three fifty-five. Welcome back here on WGR, the Kentucky Derby Show. Thanks to Ryan Hasenauer from Batavia Downs Gaming for joining us last segment. Great insight on all those horses. If you just tuned in right now and you wanted to get the breakdown of all twenty horses, quick, go to the Odyssey app, click on that rewind button, and just go back to three thirty. Ryan broke down all twenty horses. Did a great job. So if you want to put a wager today on the Kentucky Derby. Or the hour uh, will be in the, uh, in the uh, on-demand audio soon as well. Okay. Right after. Thank you, TJ. You're TJ welcome. Luffin back in Hello. our studios there. He'll have that up, uh, as he said. And uh, it'll be hour number two of this show up in our on-demand audio section in just a little bit. And you'll have time to listen to it. Post time's not until 6.57 tonight uh, on NBC if you do want to watch it. And even if you're, you know, if you're not a what you'd call a, uh, a horse track guy, you know, like the Kentucky Derby to me is one of the sports events on the calendar. One of the even just the, uh, you know, events in our country on the calendar that I think is just a cool tradition that we do. And to have it kind of, you know, here, kind of like the, uh, the start of spring, although with the weather up until this point, it really hasn't been like spring, but it looks like actually next week it's going to be spring, which is great. Uh, the temperatures look to be really warm next week. Uh, this is just one of the events I have not been to. Like, I know everybody talks about your sports bucket list of a things and events to be at. Um, I have checked off. The Masters was first on my list. I got a chance to go uh, three years ago. So that's been a check. You know, in terms of baseball stadiums, I have been to some really cool ones. I've been to Fenway, been to the old Yankee Stadium, the new one. Uh, Dodger Stadium. I've not been to Wrigley. So for my baseball bucket list, that has to be, it's probably right at the top. Uh, I have not been to a Triple Crown race, and I feel like I should. I understand that maybe the event itself, now, the race itself that everybody watches at 6.57, that's only a few minutes. So you're like, hey, do you, you know, you get your money's worth, you're there all day. But, of course, they have races all day long while you're there. So it's not just one race. I know that, you know, if you maybe don't follow it, there's is quite a bit of horses. This is actually the 12th race of the day at Churchill Downs. So uh, you can watch a whole bunch of different races while you're there and kind of take in the festivities. I know people have said going in the infield is where the real party is at. I don't know at my age now if that's maybe the wisest move for me, but nevertheless, uh, I feel like at some point I have to get to a Triple Crown race uh, especially with one being in New York, like not too far away, uh, down in Elmont, that, that uh, maybe you know a combination trip to get to uh, to that event, and then something else in the New York City area with like a, a Yankees or a Mets game seems like it would be kind of a fun weekend trip to do. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think you know on my sports bucket list, I've been to the College National Championship. Uh, I've been, I've not been to a Super Bowl. I've been to an AFC Championship when the Bills have been participating, but uh, I've. I, I think I've got to put a triple crown here right at the right at the top of my sports bucket list of things that's next to do for me uh, in my lifetime of attending events. Okay, time out here. When we come back, uh, more on the Derby. Uh, Ryan will rejoin us with his picks. Also, Don Hoover, the general manager of Live Racing, will join us here from Batavia Downs. But uh, a really, I think, a great story uh, with high school athletes 
and football coming up next. Uh, we'll tell you about that when we return on the other side. I'm Brian Colzio. More coming up from Batavia Downs after this on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 